This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Are you registered to vote? Headcount is a nonpartisan organization that works with the music and entertainment industry to get fans to vote. To update or check your voter registration status, go to headcount.org, where you'll find all the information you need to be ready for election day. Headcount tours with musicians to help concert attendees register to vote, but you don't need to leave your house to register or to get voting info. Register to vote by visiting headcount.org. Hello and welcome to another episode of Mixtape Memories. Memories. I'm Jenners. And I'm Matt Hart Spade. And we're here today with a very special guest, Abru Yildiz, a portrait and documentary photographer. She put out this amazing book, We've Come So Far, The Last Days of Death by Audio. Thanks so much for being our guest today. Well, thanks Yay. for having me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like... I met you so long ago, and it was like back in the days when I was managing Dirty on Purpose. Exactly. Um, it was like you and another uh, friend of yours, right? And maybe it was like an article, like from a tur- Turkish publication, I want to say. Well, could be, but um, there were like a couple of magazines from Istanbul that I was doing like some work with. Could yeah. be one of those. Was it with Dirty on Purpose? I want to say that it was, and her name was like M- Melis, Melis. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Jesus. I can't believe. Yeah. Okay, so it is like for Trendsetter magazine, and she was like interviewing people, and I was taking photos, but that didn't last that long. I think we did like three, four pieces. I feel like that was like the first like ever communication. And then I just started seeing you around town at shows. And <laughs> like, because that's what we did back then, right? Like, we were mm-hmm. at shows like every night. <laughs> yeah, literally every single night. I don't know how we had like that much energy and that much money <laughs> to spend on like shows and drinks and, you know. It's true. <laughs> yeah, because I know in the beginning, like, I paid for concert tickets. So, like, I would plan that shit shit out like ahead of time and mm-hmm. be, like go to the box office grab some tickets and like have it on the calendar for a while i think i remember meeting you at practice space like yes. the, when dirty on purpose was in there like i just came to say hey and they were like oh this is jim their manager and like that's uh, like that's how i remember but yeah. again like it was those times that I don't know, I don't remember how I met anybody or if yes. I met them at all. Like, you know, because after a while, just because you it's see everyone around. It's a bit of a blur, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. How did it all start for you? Like, how did you get from Turkey to New York and kind of start your whole journey into this music photography world? Well, I came here to study. I grew up in Ankara, Turkey, which is the capital of Turkey. Everybody knows Istanbul, but nobody knows Ankara. It is more like Washington, D.C. And like, I mean, even then, like I had like interest in like live shows and, you know, music in general, but um, there weren't much happening there. And I just moved here to go to school for advertising and marketing. And my whole dream was like to work at an advertising agency because, mm. you know, like <laughs> what better, better place than New York City to study and work at the indu- uh, advertising industry. Of course, <laughs> yeah. like the minute I started working in advertising, I hated it with <laughs> everything yeah. I had. I'm like, I feel like I'm 
is it like a completely different person right now or like I had like a completely different uh, understanding of advertising? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Not here. I graduated with the same degree and also worked in advertising for a period of time and wanted to pull my hair out. Yeah, Yeah. I, I mean, it is just, it's, I don't know, it's brutal in mm -hmm. every sense. Like, I mean, psychologically, I think it is. I mean, manipulating people into buying things <laughs> that they probably don't need. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it's like it's weird. But anyway, so that's like that's how I uh, I moved here, and it took me a long time to figure out where the music is happening. When I say long, I mean long. Like I moved here '98, so it was mm -hmm. like 2001 ish. I figured out Lower East Side is like, you know, there are things happening in Lower East Side. But before then, like, I mean, I didn't have any money to spend anyways, but like, I had like no idea what was going on. I actually, um, I was thinking it this morning, the very first concert that I went to was The Cure. Oh, oh wow. wow, that's uh, a good one. Yeah, it is a good one, but like, I learned that the show was happening the same day. I'm like, I'm going to go and wait online to see if anyone sells their ticket. And I got the ticket for $100. That was like the most money I ever spent ever wow. since I moved here. And it was a terrible show. I was so disappointed. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Wh where was it? MSG? No, no, it wasn't MSG. It, that's the other thing I was trying to remember. I think Hammerstein Ballroom. Oh, wow. That's pretty intimate for them. Yeah, I like. I think it was 99 1999 yeah yeah wow so that was like the very first one and it was so like i had no concept of like people selling like fake tickets or anything <laughs> like that but anyways my tickets were real though so yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know i always worry uh i've never bought like tickets from scalpers so i feel like i'd be too paranoid that it's fake yeah and also like you know they look sketchy like the people <laughs> yeah you <laughs> could tell <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've only once ever in my life bought off a scalper off the street, and it was because I think years and years ago, maybe 15 years ago, Interpol was playing Radio City, and they did multiple nights, and I went the first night, and it was great, and then I wanted to go the next night, but I didn't want to spend full price on a ticket, so I waited until like five minutes before they hit the stage to see if there was a scalper outside that was desperate, <laughs> and I did find one who sold me a really good seat for 20 bucks, and oh it wow. was a real ticket. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Meanwhile, I spent like... 90 the night before <laughs> on the, on, yeah the one i pre-purchased <laughs> yeah i know i i was going to shows like all the time and all the venues like there's so many venues back then that it's it is kind of like they all blur together after a while like yeah like i mean especially um, like in lower east side it is like it's just like every door was some sort of venue at some point <laughs> absolutely like especially yeah. on ludlow street but you know, I was also thinking. Um, so the me like finding out about like the local scene was uh, actually a place to work strangers. I saw them play in at Coralium. Have you guys? Do you remember? I vaguely remember that room. Of course, I remember the name, but I don't think I've ever been there. So it had uh, Real Mermaids uh, swimming inside a ginormous mm -hmm. uh, That's fish right. tank. Oh my god. So pretty. So I it is so weird. It was in like meat packing district or somewhere around there. And yeah. I remember like I went there to see another band. You I'm not gonna name but it was a shitty band. <laughs> 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 but they photographed well, so I was like, Yeah, whatever, I'll take their photos. So I, and a place to go strangers was headlining. I, my jaw dropped like I'm like oh my god I love this band like I, I mean I fell in love with them like the minute I saw them it, it was amazing and yeah it was with their first drummer uh, he Justin, was like a beast I yeah I think he that was, was a beast like I couldn't like believe <laughs> yeah he was the craziest drummer <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I'm like in awe like watching them on stage and their set ended and he kicked his drum kit and I remember <laughs> one of his um, cymbals were like flying towards me and I'm like oh my god I'm gonna die <laughs> literally <laughs> and I thought like you know he was like angry at something but turns out he was doing that more often I guess 
time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it yeah. was so exciting to see it, see it. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I remember, like, I was working at Aztec at the time, and one of my coworkers was dating the bassist. Oh, Tim. Tim. And she was putting them on these, like, showcases that we the company was doing, and I remember – I think the first showcase was like at South. The one that I saw them at was at South by Southwest at like Hard Rock Cafe or something. And yeah, I know it was a terrible venue. And like the yeah, they were crazy. And I obviously instantly fell in love. And then but I, that was at the time I was managing Dirty on purpose too. And so I think it was like maybe their record release show or there was some show we had at pianos where I put them together on a bill and then they fell in love with each other. <laughs> they, they're amazing. For some reason, I always thought that like just because like, um, you know, they became roommates, I always thought that like they knew each other from way before or, or something because I don't know, it just felt like they knew each other. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, it was, like, definitely, like, an instant, like, love affair, I think, between the two bands, and then, you know, and then, you know, the rest is, like, history, you know, like, they were all involved in, like, starting Death by Audio, and and then that whole scene started, so it was, like, a crazy, you know, series of people introducing each other, you know, so... That's kind of like, I mean, like, it's probably still like that, but, you know, when I was, like, heavily involved, like, in the industry, it felt like people, that's just what people were doing. They were just, like, introducing each other. There was, like, tons of, like, networking going on, and it felt, but it felt very kind of natural. Yeah. Now Mm -hmm. I feel like it's more forced or something. I don't know. I, I don't know either. I'm, like, I've been thinking about it. It was maybe, like, just because like i'm not out like every night like i used to yeah maybe it is still like you know happening somewhere else like in that yeah sense. it's just and to younger people <laughs> yeah because i know like you know i can tell like from the you know bands i shoot they're kind of like uh, clumped together like yeah they're like groups of people together so i'm assuming like you know dirty on purpose and a place for strangers those guys were like kind of clumped together too yeah yeah, they I also each remember like, like their one of the shows that they did at um, the back room, like I mean the living space of Death by Audio while they oh, were yeah. trying to raise money to build their bedrooms. Yeah, it was dirty <laughs> on purpose and a place to wear stranger. It was so cool. I I I loved it. Yeah, like you know, like watching them like with because they were like playing on the second floor, the second which floor. like I refused to go up. By the way, it is hilarious <laughs> because. I mean, like, the night before, uh, we were, like, getting drunk with these people, and then they built stairs and a second floor. I'm like, I'm never going up there. <laughs> like, totally didn't trust it. It didn't seem safe, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> I definitely, like, if I was ever on the second floor, I'd be, like, t- you know, lightly <laughs> kind of walking but around. But, I mean, they endured for, like, ten years of madness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it must have been crazy, like, I was never, like, the person that could, like, live with a bunch of people like that. I mean, there were always people there, in and out, all the time. Like, you couldn't really, like, have, like, a normal life. It was definitely, like, a clubhouse, you know, so. I mean, there's no way. Like, I mean, I can't possibly imagine. No. Like, with that many people involved, like, I don't know. I can't, I can't possibly imagine myself living in a situation like that. Yeah, but I mean, special. I- the idea mm-hmm. of it is amazing. I think you have to have a certain personality to be able to survive it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What it all came from was like this love of music and art and just being creative uh, with a bunch of people that you like. So I feel like, you know, this must happen with every generation in some way, you know, yeah. but this was like ours, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for version. sure. And also, um, like, I think the other important thing is that they were all, like, not were, they are all very nice people. Yeah. So it is, like, easy to be around and, you know, especially, like, for someone like me, like, I not barely speak the language, but, you know, it is, like, English is my second language, so conversation, like, you know, it is... I'm already feeling conscious about like lots of stuff, but um, 
I remember feeling super comfortable and it comes from the fact that they're like good people that radiate that goodness. Mm -hmm. Like you feel safe with them or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is like super important when you're kind of hanging out with people every day. (laughs) 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 No, I know it's special because like you can't, you know, there, there are terrible people out there in the scene, but, you know, we were lucky to, like, know this group of people. I also thought that Ollie from Place of Very Strangers was, like, the nicest guy. Like, anytime Edward. you see him, he'd always have, like, hey, what's up? You know, always, like, yeah, he's like smile always, on his face. Like. Always excited, always, always happy, always have something good to say. Yeah. But I'll tell you, like, I'll tell you a secret. Uh, that he told me I'm because he's like you know whenever like a band like maybe I shouldn't say this well anyway but (laughs) (laughs) so he he sees a lot of shows obviously and like lots of bands like look up to him and so they like they come to get his approval or something and I'm like you cannot there's no way you like every single band like you know no way yeah and how is it that like you make them like feel okay with <laughs> what they're doing like how do you find the words to support them or something he said the trick is to say uh, oh that set was very inspiring and yeah. i'm like mm. he's yeah. like it could be like inspiring that it was so good that it, in, it could be inspiring so bad that you never want to do that <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like okay that's like that's a nice way to say it i guess yeah <laughs> Just to stay positive. Yeah, I like that a lot. Because, like, yeah, like, how many times have we gone to see a show and maybe you know the people or you get introduced to them and then you, like, if you don't like it, you have to say something. (laughs) You you don't want to be negative, you know? What I would do is uh, on my sites back in the day, if I went to see someone I know or someone I didn't know and I didn't enjoy it, rather than writing something negative, I would just ignore it. But then they'll follow up with you and say, like, wait a minute, I thought we hit it off. And I'm like, yeah, we might be friendly with one another, but I hated the music. It's very difficult to say. Yeah, and also it is, like, with music, it is something so personal, like, very personal. There's no, I I mean, like, A Place Where Strangers, I love them from the first minute I saw. But I also remember, like, them, I remember they were, like, playing a show, um, I'm not going to say the band's name, uh, w- with another friend of mine's band and even though their music was not good the room was let's say there was like 20 people or whatever and then a place where strangers comes on and there's only like two people left like yeah. you know, everybody leaves like they used to yeah. you know clear the room because you know it is not everyone's cup of tea and it's very loud <laughs> and I think it's okay yeah yeah it's fair yeah I wanted to go way back and kind of ask you about what you were listening to, what you remember listening to growing up, and what were your favorites back in the day, and did you make mixtapes? Did you receive mixtapes back in the day? <laughs> oh my god, I made mix, like, that, that's like the best part. I actually, I'm the only person that I know that was making mixtapes among my friends, and I had like, my brother used to come to United States like a lot for like business or whatever. So he'll bring back these cassette tapes. And normally in Turkey, the ones uh, we had were like 45 minutes, I think, in total, like both sides combined. And the ones that he brought back were like 90 minutes. 90, uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like so psyched. I'm like, oh my God, I never have to like switch tapes ever again. <laughs> yeah. So I, I remember I did one like one with old Turkish music, which was like not necessarily good Turkish music, more like cheesy, not pop, but I don't know. I I still like some of the songs, so I'm not going to say (laughs) (laughs) that they were all cheesy. And then another one with like all, uh, you know, European and American bands. I used to like one of the most influential bands for me was uh, the Velvet Underground. Like Mm -hmm. I love them and it is you know it is one of those uh bands like i remember like the first time i heard them where i was how the light was how it mm. felt like i remember everything about that moment 
so that was underground definitely and nirvana was like mm-hmm. another favorite and the cure mm-hmm. and with the cure comes the uh, depeche mode of uh, course but course. i was more the cure than depeche mode um smashing pumpkins but i wasn't really that into but they they you know name was around oh oh uh red hot chili peppers <laughs> <laughs> and pulp pulp was like pulp yeah so big like so mm-hmm. big in turkey that different class album mm-hmm. was like my favorite it's one of those you know album that i can i can sing along to every yeah. word mm-hmm. yeah classic yeah and also <laughs> imagine this is like i'm talking about a time where there wasn't any in- internet so probably whatever i was singing was not the lyrics but <laughs> in <Yeah. the> general <laughs> this didn't feel well sometimes the misheard or the missung lyrics are better than the original lyrics anyway so <laughs> it, it works <laughs> that is true and also it kind of like you make it your own in a way because it's just like that's how it makes sense that's how you feel connected so i don't i don't see anything wrong in it <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Uh, so you moved to new york in the late 90s and then when did the advertising world end and photographer begin kind of more full-time well okay so the full-time like so 2001 like around september 11 actually was like a really big change for me because right before like that august i quit my advertising job and i was like okay i'm like you know uh, i'm done with it but i also wanted to see because like while i was doing that i was a strategic planner meaning like i was researching and like kind of coming up with uh, advertising strategies that you communicate to the creators and they come up with visuals and i really liked the visual part a lot so i was like trying to see okay I want to see if I have like any kind of talent or any because obviously I'm interested but like I don't know if I could do it so uh, I took a printing class photo photo like a darkroom class that was in 2001 and also like a graphic design class and but I was like on a I was either on a student visa or a work visa so for that reason I could never like pursue it as a career because I had to either work for the company that I was working for so not till like six years ago I started doing it full-time before that it was always like on the like it was something that I was doing for myself and like for the Turkish magazines and stuff but so yeah, did that answer your question? I'm like, I'm it did. <laughs> no, it did. I, I've, I've, uh, I should have said this earlier in the episode, but I've been a fan of yours for a long time. So it's nice to finally get to oh, like, thank, thank, thank talk you. to you I like this. Yeah. I know your photos really have a mood to them, and I oh. just love that. And I could tell that you're like trying to like tell some sort of story there. Well, thank you. Thank you. It is like the like it, it is interesting because the mood of my photos kind of like the stay the same. I think my uh, like technique got better. Like I I love moody photos and like little light and all that. So like finally I <laughs> I am able to get what I want like what I want to have. But in the past like it was kind of like oh this works kind of like trial and error kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but now I think you have, when I, if I were to see a photo of yours, I would kind of know it's yours based on the style of it and the, the colors and the light and whatnot. Thank you. Yeah, I really absolutely. appreciate it. That's like a, the biggest compliment you can say to a Thank you. I wanted to ask if you kind of um, geek out when an, when an artist decides to use one of your photos as like the album art. I, like, wait, you mean like the, if I get like, Excited Giddy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like, it is kind of, like, that's also what a big honor, like, because it is, like, I mean, they're putting their soul and heart into this album, and they think that, like, your photo you made is matching theirs, and it's kind of like naming their baby or something, you, you know, <laughs> like, it's kind of, like, I, I mean, I, feel, I, I always feel so humbled, I'm like, re- like really, really? It is very like exciting and um, it sometimes like you know sometimes it comes as in like 
oh, I didn't know it was going to be an album artwork, but they see something that works and they want to use it. Or sometimes like we work towards making one, which I also enjoy because then I get to hear the album first, like before anyone else and, you know, try to visualize it and come up with ideas that conveys the feeling of the music and, you know, that's like, I really like that process too. I love that. It's yeah. like, cause you're actually like in depth involved in the kind of creative process there. Then yeah. Like I, I really enjoy it. Some, you know, some people have a certain like idea, like what it should look like, but then some, some are like completely open to ideas and you know, that's like, that's really exciting. And, you know, especially when they have the idea and if it is like matching my style, that's like, that's exciting too, because I can see that why they're asking me instead of like, you know. Yeah. But you know, like how some pictures, they're almost like just too many layers of things that are like maybe not the real person, you know, and... And your photos, they just look like you're just like almost like unraveling everything and like trying to get to like the core of like the person. Oh my God, you're like, you guys are making me like all red. (laughs) 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 Well, I mean, you know, it's like, yeah, like you can really tell. And like, you know, I was going to go to that um, exhibit that was up at TVI right before pandemic that you did on the women behind the scenes in the music industry. And I mean, I could just tell by how everyone who was like a subject of the shoot was reacting to your photos of them because they're probably not used to like being photographed in that way you capture something and they like got to see it from your perspective you know something in them so i think like i I think that's like pretty cool i i think that is like a actually an interesting part of the process because it is like kind of like they see themselves through your eyes in a way yeah like in a different way than they they're not used to but not necessarily like and i'm not talking about like for example one of the uh, woman in the project she was like so certain that like oh my angle is this like i know it is like i like just because like also she's younger and so she's like so used to doing selfies and stuff i'm like okay that's cool but let me do what i want to do and then you'll see and it was actually uh, it was like a full frontal photo and she really liked it and she says like she commented on it saying that you like you were right or something like and it just made me feel good because like you know just because I always thought that she's gonna hate it just because this is not the angle that she's used to (laughs) but yeah you're able to see something and capture it you know, and it didn't and have to do with angles or anything like that. You and know? I thought every single one of them was so gorgeous. Like, I didn't have to do anything. They're, like, everyone is, like, super beautiful. It is just, like, you know, there's a prerequisite <laughs> to be, like, you have to be pretty to work behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> You've done both concert and portrait photography now, and... Like, do you have a favorite between the two, or? Well, I I actually, like, so I started off, like, with concert photography because it was just, like, so much easier for me. Well, first of all, like you were saying, uh, like, I was going out every night, so it was kind of, like, giving me purpose to be at shows, like, without looking like a freak, like, (laughs) by (laughs) myself. Uh, so that's and it is also easy just because you don't have to talk to the people you don't have to do anything you just go and shoot and but I was always and there's like something super exciting about like live photography just because like I love consuming music in a live setting so it is like that is to me very special and very intimate so I like I'll always love that but um, I, I think like if I have to pick one, like I would go with portrait photography because just because it is um, so much more intimate, like to like to connect with a person on that level, and because nobody is comfortable in front of a camera, so like being, you know, like talking to that person and like making sure they're doing okay, you're doing okay. So it is kind of like a whole exchange. So it is not mm-hmm. like 
only your reaction, but this is kind of a collaborative effort, which I love. And, you know, I get to, like, I, I get to get a sense of their personality and, like, so that's always fun. Cause, like, I, I think I find, like, people in general really interesting and fascinating. Like, so I love, like, I love getting to know a person. And it's just, like, I'm not one of those people who can, like, chat up people. Like, you know, some people, like, uh, I have a friend, like, she can talk with anyone on the street for hours. And <laughs> I'm, like, so jealous of her in that sense. Like, I can't do it. Like, so that's kind of, like, my opportunity to, mm. like, talk with a person. And I feel like I do better, like, on one-on-one -on -one than, like, just meeting people. Uh, like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I guess, like, portrait photography is, like, <laughs> I, I enjoy it a lot if i uh, i mean but i love them both for different reasons like with portrait it is like more controlled like you're in a setting you literally have like control over everything except of course if you're doing like quick portraits at a festival or something then they put you in a room mm -hmm. saying okay shoot 20 20 different people uh, and make sure they all look different that's different but <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time you have like full control <laughs> and the thing that's exciting about the portrait photography is like you have no control over anything like mm -hmm. including light or where you're standing where what they're doing like so that's like very exciting in its own way. Some of your portrait subjects are these iconic stars like Blondie and David Byrne and Laurie Anderson and whatnot a is it kind of intimidating and B uh, when you uh, go into that shoot and um, it's a subject that's been photographed you know for decades upon decades um, how do you kind of envision the project so you kind of make it your own well I guess like you know uh, Laurie Anderson would be like a great example to give because first of all I think like the way I think like you know someone being iconic or famous or whatever it kind of like ends in your head in many ways like I, I don't I don't know how to explain it but let me try so it's just kind of like you know it could be like let's say Oliver right like he's like the uh, I'm talking about the lead singer of uh, places are stranger he's like the sweetest guy I might be like more nervous taking his photo than like someone else just because mm -hmm. I'm like thinking so much more highly of him than anyone else like in that sense that makes sense yeah so that's like that's kind of how I feel but of course like the for example Laurie Anderson Jesus I thought I was like dying so it, the first time I shot her it was actually at her place so we went to her studio and she had like the cutest dog but i'm like just so nervous just so nervous overall but i'm also very nervous before every single shoot like yeah. it is like you know my partner always <coughs> makes fun of me he's like you've been doing it so long you can't be. i lose sleep like the night before like in general doesn't matter because it is like you know that person is like putting so much trust in you and yeah. like, I kind of feel like kind of crushed under that responsibility because what if like I'm wasting their time? What if, if I don't come up like, you know, they don't like the photo going back to Laurie Anderson. So that was the first time I shot her and I like I was fine with the photos uh, like I like them and all that. But the next time I shot her, it was at a festival. And right before I shot her, I actually saw her play before she started her set. She was like, well, I watched an interview with Yoko Ono, and she said they asked her how she feels about Trump. And her answer was like she started screaming, and she just didn't stop. Like it was just like a one long scream. <laughs> and she said that like she felt like really inspired by it. And ever since that, like she's been applying it, and it just feels like release of energy so during this mm. festival there's tons of people and she's like okay let's do it together and like everybody screamed on top of their lungs and i i get goosebumps like talking about it wow. i almost cried like it was just so beautiful and mm. so i'm supposed to take her photos and 
but I don't know if he's going to be okay with being photographed or not. But like two days straight uh, during the festival, I'm like, if I'm going to get to shoot her, I'm going to ask her to scream. I'm going to ask her to scream. So I'm like working myself up. <laughs> so like she came. Yeah, she agreed to be photographed. She came, and I was like, I'm trying to explain her, like, oh, could you please, like, do you think you could do it? And she's like, oh, sure. And then she started, like, screaming. And that's that was my favorite photo that oh I made gosh. of her. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, like, it was really, really <laughs> cool. And so, like, first time I was nervous. Second time I was nervous. Then she actually asked me to do her pet photos, which I'm like, oh, Amazing. my God. I'm going that's another kind of responsibility and that's like a other level of stress but every single one of them was like stressful for their different reasons because you know if you're photographing someone for the third time you would think that like you'll be a little bit more at ease because you know her but i'm like <laughs> like i like no I, yeah i was super super nervous so i guess the answer to your question is like i'm never like I'm just like dying inside <laughs> as I'm like, as I'm shooting it, but like looking all together from the outside. <laughs> That's the secret of life. We're all like that. I feel yeah. yeah, for sure. And it is so funny. Like with those shoots, I'm like, I don't remember a word I say. And then like I come out of it like, oh my God, what just happened? Like <laughs> I can't remember it. Like it's kind of that kind of nervousness. Well, I think that's cool. I mean, you got obviously you it, with that one instance, you got a photo that no one else would have thought of, you know, because of the story and the attachment to that screen. Yeah. 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 For sure. It is like that. Yeah. If it's like, I mean, I might have missed it. Like I didn't hear it or maybe I was in a different emotional state that didn't mean much to me. But it was just a super powerful moment. I'll never forget it. Like I'll just never that's awesome so now you've come to the point where you're doing this full time and you have your own studio is it two studios or one big studio well it is kind of like um, there are three studios actually okay okay, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it started as like you know so six years ago when I um, decided to go full time like when I got my green card I got my green card six years ago that's what happened um, I decided to get a small space to do portraits because I'm like you know I can't invite people to my apartment like you know I, I'm doing with friends and stuff so then I started renting it out because you know like freelance work is like uh, you get some and then you don't have anything and then you realize that oh my god this is it i wasn't supposed to be like a freelancer i'm never gonna get another you know assignment or whatever so during one of those freak outs i'm like okay i'm gonna rent it out so at least i won't have to worry about expense so it kind of started like that and then my partner mitchell was like well you know we are already putting so much work into this why not like you know uh, invest some money and turn it into a business so that's how it started. Now it is kind of like, I mean, I shoot here all the time, obviously, but uh, it's kind of his baby, like uh, everything, like he did. I mean, obviously I'm helping him, like the way he's helping me with my shoot. So it's kind of collaboration, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, because there was just like a, a new expansion to it that like looked amazing like oh really God, fancy tell me about it because <laughs> that was supposed to that was a decision uh, that was made last christmas but wow. the space was almost ready uh, at the beginning of march wow <laughs> so it's kind of like <laughs> it, very stressful yeah. but uh, i mean it's life it's the same yeah. thing mm-hmm mm-hmm I just had a quick question about your concert photography because I was watching an, an interview you did, I guess, a couple of years back, and you were just talking about feeding off the energy of the crowd and how in a lot of instances that also shapes the photo, and it's, it's sometimes what goes on off stage as well that kind of builds the, the aura of the, of the mood of the photo. So I was just hoping you could just uh, touch upon how that kind of that adds into the equation of, of the whole 
portrait of the night, you know. So, like, yeah, that's why it's absolutely right. You know, then you're going into a show. I think it's the same for bands, too. Like, it depends on the crowd. Like, they either play a great show and, you know, they give so much energy and they take so much energy from the crowd. And I think it is the same with, the, uh, like, photography as well. Because, like, you're, like, when I'm taking photos, you're, like, 90% of the time in the middle of the crowd. So mm -hmm. it is, like, you know, people bumping into you. If, you you know, they're, like, feeling energetic, that's, like, lifting you up. If they're, like, you know, sad or whatever, it is kind of coming on to you, too. I mean, it is kind of, like, with this pandemic, too, we are, like, connected in a in insane way. Like, it is almost, like, so solid that we can see it. So it is kind of... Mm -hmm. I think concerts are like the micro version of that. Like you just like emotionally and physically, I think you're like super connected. And I, lo I love that. I love that about live shows because it sets the mood for everything. And you know, the photos are as good as the show and the crowd too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Speaking of concert photography <laughs> you and also actually it was like also documentary photography in a way the the death by audio book what was it like 75 days in a row where you were there and kind of documenting the shows and what's going on behind the scenes as the venue was closing how did that all come about like the idea for it um and then how was it afterwards after you produced it well you know death by audio was always it is like such a special place for me. Like, I mean, I think that and at least we're strangers. I, I mean, it's kind of like at the same time, my life like completely changed into a different direction too. So it is like, it's a, it, like, it's really important. So it is like, if anything, like if I'm still shooting today, like partially because of that scene and uh, at, at least we're strangers. I, I was there like, so many nights at the beginning but then like I kind of gave a break in a way just because I broke three feet and fractured my upper jaw at the, at the I think we were just looking at it the third show the, in the official venue oh wow and so after that I'm like okay I need to take a minute so um, well anyway so it is also that was also an important moment in my <laughs> life <laughs> in, for many other reasons uh, because it is also because of that I met Mitchell who is my partner now so it's kind of like all connected <laughs> in a different way but so when I heard it was closing I was like oh my god I just I felt like I need I really need to document it so I get in contact with Matt and Oliver and and I didn't have like any intentions of uh, making a like a book book but I was thinking oh it would be like a family album that I can you know give them or something so I started like going uh, I wanted to document like the people living in the space the the pedal factories the rehearsal yeah. space and also the shows because they invited back all these bands like who kind of grew out of that space and they you know they had like the best intentions they are like if we are gonna go out we might as well go out with a bang which is what they did and it, it was amazing and so yeah like and a couple of weeks into it and i was like oh, like I, I was making so many photos i'm like there's no way like it has to be a book so it kind of yeah. like it kind of shaped in my head like at the very beginning of it but it, that wasn't the first intention and I'm so glad like just so glad I made it because it is also kind of like you know there are like all these uh, really important spaces uh, in New York City that I don't I didn't get to experience like uh, Natchez Kansas City or like CBGB or I would say like even like that place Cokies like which was like not my time Do right you used to be the levy used to be Cokies right yeah <laughs> but, but <laughs> like you know places like I read like or hear about like these places though that doesn't like compare to the other places obviously but it is like even if you're not there like just seeing a book of photos of how it felt to be there like I think that was very important and I kind of didn't want that by audio to disappear without having like a 
solid visual documentation. Yeah. Um, I think definitely deserves it. <laughs> Shall we hop into repeat skip? Yeah, let's do it. So our first EP, actually it's the first EP I think that we've uh, reviewed uh, in this yeah. segment. But is a worthy the first, one. <laughs> uh, definitely a worthy one. I mean, it's it's legendary. It's the first Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's EP, which is, I believe, from 2001. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember them seeing perform these songs at Siren Festival in 2002, I think. Um, it was the year Sleater Kinney headlined. That was that might have been the first time I saw them actually, and I was kind of instantly enamored by Karano and, and the band, and it kind of grew from there. And then to this day, they're one of my favorite acts of all time. So I'm interested to hear what both of you think of this EP. Well, like in my case, actually, so even though that EP was 2001, I actually started figuring out where the live music is happening around 2001-2002 so I was actually late to like I mean late as in like even though I was in New York and into music I totally missed out on their like small shows or the shorts or whatever so it was kind of like I was like literally right after that but the first time I heard Yeah was like with this EP and it was like I, I, it just blew me away like it just blew me away I think it is because the feeling of it was like going very parallel to how I was feeling at that moment. For example, in this EP, there's uh, my repeat uh, one with Art Star, which mm -hmm. I love, like one of That's mine as well. Yeah. Well, I guess it's not Jin's. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't my repeat, but honestly, it was hard for me to pick a skip on this album. Like, I would probably repeat a lot of these songs, you yeah. know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I mean, like, it's so good. I mean, the album artwork is so good. The photo is, like, amazing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. And it is, uh, yeah, like, I actually, for the longest time, I thought the name of the EP was Master, which makes sense. But yeah the necklace and everything well a lot of people thought it um which i think is kind of funny because it totally makes sense why yeah. you would think that mm -hmm. and it's kind of like it just makes sense on many different levels just because i think like Karano is like such a badass and like the way like he like i mean i well first of all the mood of that song is like super agitated agitated and then like calm and like yeah. kind of happy and bubbly almost so i i, I love that like i just love that and also, like, you know, her lyrics and the way she expresses herself is kind of, like, I'm, like, it is one of those things, I want to be like her, like, I want to be able to be that free and with no concerns. Mm. I know. There really wasn't, like, anyone like her at the time, and I also just, like, related to her, like, being half Korean, seeing someone like that in the scene be so bold and, like, know the fact like the crazy fashion was like part of her thing she had like this edgy look to her she was dating angus from liars at the time she was like fucking power couple <laughs> indie rock couple you know and yeah. like and i was just like who is this person i want to be her <laughs> so like i know and i uh i used to do like really stupid things on my blog back in the day and like one of them was like a parody of like um in style magazine had this thing uh called steal this look where they would like take a picture of a celebrity and then like break down their look you know and like where you can buy it and i did a parody version of that called steal this indie look and it was like i remember having karano on there and it, yeah like it was probably like my picture from the siren festival that year and like <laughs> <laughs> made me like you can get this here <laughs> like, <laughs> siren festival was also amazing like i mean mm -hmm. I, yes. I wish it is one of those festivals that never ended yeah it was always super fun to go and i know i miss it i met you know there are festivals that are trying to bring back that same feeling but i think it's just a hard to do because that was such i always say at the moment in time but it's so true like i don't know if it can be replicated in the same way like because music 
industry has changed and festivals have changed, like yeah. the idea of festivals have changed. I mean, those three concerts in the pool, do you remember them? Of course. Yeah. Like, incredible. I mean, yeah. I don't know how they pulled it off at all. Like, I, I, like right now, like I feel like every single show, I, I mean, before the pandemic, was selling out so fast and with those shows, you're always, even though they're free, you were able to get in, which I think yeah. was really special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had like killer lineups. Yeah. Yeah, they I mean at the pool they had major indie acts yeah. for free. Exactly. Like right as they were like their most buzzworthy. Yeah. Yeah. Delhi NYC mm-hmm. pool parties. I mean like I'll never forget them. Like they were crazy and in like this giant empty pools in the middle of Williamsburg. But like it was because indie rock was really just hitting that mainstream trend right then and that's where I mean talking about advertising and marketing like this is where companies are spending their money it's like oh well yeah I want to sponsor you because you're cool and you're hip and you're with all like the young people you know at the time you know we were all in our like 20s or so and that has all changed you know and now it's all about what is Gen X listening to you know so it's like those are the kind of uh, acts that'll probably get like that corporate sponsorship to bring you a free festival, but yeah. most festivals aren't free. No, <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> um, it can be really expensive, and then I don't know. I feel like most of the lineups kind of suck. So <laughs> anyway, off topic. <laughs> <laughs> but they're kind of like. But all true. Yeah, but all the festivals lineup are like kinda like same in different order on different days or something. Like it's just that's how it feels. Yeah. Well, it, well, Jin can probably speak to this better than I can. But I think a lot of times with the Booker, they'll say, okay, if if you know, I'll we'll have this major act for Coachella, Lollapalooza, and X, and then you're also going to bring these ten bands on, and then the same ten bands and headliner are playing every major festival in the U.S. and in Europe. Oh, I did not know that. That makes sense, though. Now that kind of explains a lot. Yeah, it's it's all like a lot of transactions and less kind of curation, I feel like, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, to go back to, yeah, yeah, though, like I picked our time and I feel like maybe like just doing this during recording some of these episodes during the pandemic, I was like, I've always seemed to pick the song that like could work as a pandemic theme song. Yeah, like I feel like. it's funny you say our time because early in this pandemic, I drew a photo of uh, of Karen O and I quoted our time because I think it it does feel eerily like of the time. Yeah, yeah, and and then I was reading that this was one of the first songs that she wrote on her own and. And I just think, like, I don't know. There's just, like, a real honesty to that song. What did you guys want to skip? Because I feel like, did we all agree? No, we didn't all agree. I think Matt and I are on the same page with this EP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, it was Mystery Girl. And actually, it was an easy pick. For some reason, that I never connected with that song. But, yeah. That's, I don't have much to say about that track. <laughs> it's just not my favorite. It's not my favorite. Yeah. Same goes for me. It's not my favorite either. And I would say like our time if i had to like that would be my second favorite but i think with all uh, our time like it got so not overdone but it's just like i heard it so much that like yeah kind of i don't know if i actually like the song or it's just because i'm just so used to it that i like i don't know like you know one of those right yeah like it just grew on you or something no i mean i like it i like uh i like its lyrics the yeah like the whole to be hated i think it's mm-hmm. like perfect so yeah. good yeah i well you guys wanted to skip mystery girl i mean i i didn't mind that song too much <laughs> you know i think that i probably listened to that song a lot back in the day but it's definitely not my repeat skip now but my skip was more uh bang and i think it was i don't know why i picked that I, it was it was hard to pick one but you know as a fuck son you sucked <laughs> 
don't even know. <laughs> that always like makes me laugh. Like every time I hear it. I mean, actually, back in the day, I probably would have probably been with, like an anthem or something. <laughs> you know, when that when that EP came out, I would play Bang on my college radio show a bunch, and I did not know what she was really saying. Speaking of misheard lyrics, <laughs> I didn't know she was saying that. So I would play it all the time, and then finally, like someone at the station was like, "We're gonna get in such trouble." <laughs> <laughs> with the FCC if you keep playing this song every single week. <laughs> and I said, well, what is she even saying? And then he told me, I was like, okay, we're going to move to track number two or track three. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was kind of like me listening to Velvet Underground and not knowing they were, you know, singing about drugs. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Oh, my gosh. You know, the second album we're going to talk about, obviously, is very close to your heart, uh, A Place to Bury Strangers, Exploding Head. Uh, it was their second album, and it was their first major label release, and their first on mute. Totally epic album, I think, you know. Mm -hmm. It's funny, because I think Ali recently posted, like, a clip from Keep Slipping Away's music video, like, on Instagram or somewhere, and... That was directed by Greg Wilson, who was like an original. Oh my god, I remember. <laughs> Death the by one audio. With, like, where they are trashing a TV, no? Like yes, they're like throwing <laughs> this TV outside of this apartment window. So I, I was excited when you chose this album too. Yeah, I, I mean, mm -hmm. how could I not? Like, it is literally like I mean, like I said, a place to bury strangers. Definitely like the very first band and those songs are actually like before that album came out they were like playing them like at their shows and the funny thing is like i remember they were like playing once a week at least like they were just playing every night almost it felt like and my favorite song is uh, i mean i always loved that song like that was my always my first pick uh, i lived my life spent in the shadow of your heart it's like the most emo it is really of, is <laughs> but it kind of fits like it kind of fits like it, not not like it kind of fits like me i guess like i love it like i love the name i love the song i know it should yeah. be like the title of a mixtape actually <laughs> yeah it should i remember hearing them perform that song well before this album came out delancey at mercury lounge and various other places and just always thinking that song was like such a moment so i was glad that it was included on the on the full length yeah. um that's yeah that's also my favorite from the release although i feel like this is an album that just flows so well and it's very difficult to pick something that can be skipped so but yeah i think that one just because that was the first song that like i don't know i felt deep inside of me and i was glad that the recorded version lived up to the live version you know or yeah. vice versa yeah yeah that's like i think that's like super crucial for like I mean, any a place where strangers album, just because their live shows are so intense and mm -hmm. loud, yeah. and so it is hard to get that on recording. I think, but that's yeah. Yeah, I mean, that whole album is I think amazing. Also, the uh, deadbeat. Yes, love like, that. I yeah. love that song. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm also just for the record, I'm not gonna pick a song that I'm gonna say that I'll skip. Yeah, you don't have to say anything if you don't want to. <laughs> no, no, but seriously, like, I think, again, like, going back to, like, I listened to this album so many times that, or, like, li heard the song so many times in live settings and the recording that I, I feel like I know every song by heart, so there's no way I can pick something to skip. Because yeah. it is like you hear it, it is like you this song, I love this song. Like whenever yeah. it comes in like in a shuffle or something, I'm like, I love this song. I yeah. Always, yeah. I understand that feeling because it, it it does feel like a collection. So mm -hmm. more than, you know, a bunch of singles or something like that. I think the only skips that I picked were just based on tempo or like they weren't as like driving and fast paced as the other ones, ego death and lost feeling. But that's the only reason I picked them. Yeah. You know, whenever I think of uh, Place Very Strangers, I always think like loud, crazy, fast, mm -hmm. and also, but also like dark, romantic, 
<laughs> like you know haunting kind of yeah it seems like it's just funny because they're like the nightmare of every music photographer yeah uh, but at the same time because like even like the first show that horror room show I was talking about they played in complete darkness like th there was just no light there was one I think safety bulb that was hang hanging <laughs> in the middle of the stage so it was just like whenever someone passes through there like that's like your only opportunity uh, wow. window of opportunity to take a photo and now that like you know they're playing bigger stages it is like the flash <laughs> and the smoke and I mean it's insane it's like everything <laughs> mm -hmm. but that's that what I love on. like that's yeah. just like it's super cool and I saw them actually at Brooklyn Bazaar right before that venue closed um in its old location uh before the the one that was on um Greenpoint uh, Avenue Greenpoint Avenue uh where they it was the one they were in some other location and yeah, they uh, were like kind of between Greenpoint and Uranus I think yeah mm -hmm. yeah BMW took right it turned into like a BMW dealership or wow. something like I that I didn't realize that but yeah it is not a dealership but it is like a i think like a creative center or whatever like they have like <laughs> but i heard that it's closed or closing or something so but okay. see that's like what happens all the time no yeah like they take over something just for a few years and then gone yeah. yeah and it's sad because then it displaces you know a really great cultural kind of you know, institution that Brooklyn Bazaar was really becoming, you know, in the community. And, and now Brooklyn Bazaar is homeless again because, yeah. like, that other space, you know. Yeah, but I feel like everybody's homeless or about to be homeless. Like I know. Yeah. yeah. It's, Unfortunately. It's, yeah, it's just sad. You know, it's, it's really scary to think, but I, I really feel like something's going to happen where people kind of regenerate and regroup and, like, come together again at some point when the time is right and just start to really rebuild you know the culture because yeah. you know as like the rich people are moving away maybe more people artistic creative people can afford to come back and maybe there'll be a new resurgence you yeah. know well i hope so and i i just think that like i was just thinking about it this morning that we all been through like so much and you know we've been processing all these like information and emotions and i think it's just gonna like bubble out of people as like uh creativity and new projects and and hopefully yeah. with a clearer head too a clearer head and a clearer heart yeah i love the way you put that and i agree with you i think a lot of people in my life and myself included are just kind of figuring out the next phase of what we're doing in so many aspects you know yeah i mean for sure i mean there's no like there's no going back to normal or what it was like it's just uh like I, I mean i don't know it is a new everything is gonna be new it feels like mm -hmm. yeah yeah that felt like a, like a really good way to end it but then we didn't talk about your skip matt so oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think also, yeah, it was a difficult decision. I ultimately picked the title track just because I didn't groove with that one as much as the others. But I, I think it's a nearly perfect album, so it was very, it was, it was challenging. But if I were forced to, I'd pick the title track. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, that that track kind of just makes me giggle because exploding head. But that's just me being like a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. This was such a great chat. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Mixtape Memories. Memories. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie 
Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.